Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. I really find that having a strong digital game improves the print product because you're sort of constantly refining and honing, getting input, crowdsourcing in some cases. And so the print content that you end up with is, I think, greatly enhanced by you know having a really strong and aggressive digital game. The days for writing for print only are over. From video to social media to podcasting, successful journalists these days have to master a variety of skills to succeed. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media. On the phone with me today is Jennifer Brett. She's a multi-platform journalist and a digital coach at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning. So we met at the Online News Association conference up here in D.C., when you came up here to do that, what were you looking to, what type of information were you looking for? Well, first of all, I really love your session. I love the Online News Association conference every year, and it's just so helpful to be able to interact with colleagues who've got, you know, so many different skill sets. So I apologize for kind of accosting you, but your session was just so fascinating. That's why I sort of um, presented myself so eagerly afterwards to pick your brain and, and um, love hearing from you. But every year I go to this conference, you know, to pick up best practices to learn not only, you know, new hacks and apps and gadgets that I might need, but just new ways of thinking about reporting and presenting content in, in a way that's going to appeal to the widest possible audience. And and it's really going to you know, be a way to meet readers, viewers, listeners, just consumers where they are. Yeah. And I would have had you on the podcast if you, if you hadn't said all those nice things about me as, <laughs> as well. That's just so you understand. And actually, it was funny because I, I remember the conversation. We had. You had a lot of questions about microphones. You know, what microphones? Do I, I did. Get? I was like accosting you. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. microphones? Were you looking to set up a podcast or, or some sort of audio thing at uh, the paper? and I launched a podcast sort of as a, a trial run last year just to really see if I could do it. And we had some success. We mostly had a lot of fun. But for my purposes, I'm not so much into doing a regular podcast, but I am interested in doing audio clips and also, you know, having video clips available. So when I go out to cover something, I want to be sure that I've got them the widest possible range of options later. If I want to repurpose content and turn it into a video, if I want to do a slideshow, if I want to have, you know, a narrated slideshow, I just want to have the most possible uses later. And so that's why I was asking about a shotgun mic for my iPhone, which I've not done a great one yet. So eager to, to hear any um, feedback your, your listeners might have. So did you actually, I just recently purchased a, um, like a clip on mic for my iPhone. Is that kind of what you have? Or do you have like a, like an iRig or something like that? I've got a shotgun mic and this thing breaks my heart like constantly. <laughs> it, it produces beautiful audio except for when it doesn't. And there's nothing quite as crushing as to get back. And you've got, you know, video clips and audio clips and half of them are terrific. And then half of them are silent films, you know, so, and you're just like, what happened here? So I need to obviously continue um, experimenting with the gadgetry at my disposal. 
Let me ask you, did you have your headphones on when you were recording? I did, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, that's I mean, usually what you say is people don't have their headphones on, so they are not they don't hear that it's not recording properly. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it, I, everything seemed like it was ship shape and ready to go. And like I said, I get back to the ranch, and half the stuff is great and sounds absolutely beautiful. And then half of it is you've got all these audio clips with zero audience. So, like I said, the thing breaks my heart all the time. I like the idea that you're constantly looking for new new tools, but also new ways of thinking about how to improve your reporting. So how did you end up at uh, the Journal-Constitution? Well, I went to the University of North Carolina, and after Chapel Hill, I came down to Georgia and got a job at a smaller newspaper, the Augusta Chronicle. After that, I went to what was then the St. Pete Times, now the Tampa Bay Times. And then after a couple of years there, I came up to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So I've been here for a while, but my job has changed over the years just dramatically. I think, you know, kids who get out of college today might find it quaint how back in the day we used to go out and interview people and come back and write up our stories and the next day it would go in the paper and that was that was, you know, daily journalism. And just, I mean that sounds like kind of a hobby today. I mean obviously now the, the hierarchy is, you know, live tweeting or, or maybe a Facebook Live or maybe a Periscope, some kind of um, you know, live presentation from the scene. Later on a blog post um, as quickly as possible. Later on um, maybe a slideshow, a video, you know, maybe audio clips, and the next day, of course, it goes in the paper in some repurposed form. And I really find that having a strong digital game improves the print product because you're sort of constantly refining and honing, getting input, crowdsourcing in some cases. And so the print content that you end up with is, I think, greatly enhanced by you know having a really strong and aggressive digital game at the beginning. So how do you, I mean, you maybe you told us that, you know, at the beginning where you're saying you're constantly looking for different things. You know, what is it that drives you to constantly try to, to find a, a new and a different way to tell a story? Well, because I want people to be able to find me on the platform, on the device, on the timetable that suits their needs. I really, when people ask me, you know, what do you do at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, sometimes I kind of glibly say I'm in customer service because I really feel like that's my, I mean, that's my role. I really feel like it's important as a journalist to meet people where they are and to make sure our content is easily and readily accessible on whatever device, platform, time frame that meets our customers' needs. I mean, back in the day, you could just, you know, publish your story and it would just land on somebody's doorstep the next day. You know, those days are long gone. And so I really feel like, you know, journalism has never been more important. You know, a really strong, um, Watchdog media has ever been more important, and so it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we're, you know, interfacing with our customers in the ways that makes the most sense for our users' desires. Now, is that something that you sort of learned over time, or is that something you, from the very beginning that you, you had a sense that you needed to do? tell you, back in the day, I remember one time somebody called the office and they did not get their newspaper. And so I said, what's your address? I'll drive it to you. And I made a home delivery. And so I've I mean, nobody ever sort of, I mean, you don't learn that in journalism school, but my, my thinking was always this, you know, I want to make it easy for people to, you know, to consume my content. I mean, people have every choice in the world and increasingly just this galaxy of choices. When, when somebody reads your blog post or, or scrolls through your slideshow or listens to your audio clip, they literally have chosen your content over the entire repository of recorded human knowledge. I mean, they could do anything in the world besides read or consume your content. And, and choosing you is, I mean, that's just a precious covenant. I mean, I feel like the most precious currency anybody can spend with you is their time. And so, um, not to get all philosophical on you, but I feel like if somebody's literally going to choose me over the entire internet and everything else in the world there is to do, 
I really need to make it worth their while, and I need to make sure that it's um, you know on their um, on their device platform and time frame of their choosing. I mean, that's like beautiful digital thinking. I mean, especially in the, it's the environment that, that we're in right now. We can't, you know, try to resurrect old ways of, of distributing content. So, you know, you you have a regular blog, right? It's called The Buzz. Tell me about that. What is it? What's the focus of that? This started years ago as a print product called Peach Buzz. We're in Georgia. So, you know, it was a cute name. And back in the day, it was sort of like, not a gossip column, but sort of a society column, you know, sort of newsmakers and shakers and, you know, just sort of chitter-chatter around town. And then uh, online, it's you know, it's it's got a vastly um, wider portfolio. And really, it can kind of be a little of everything. I do a lot of coverage of the filming industry in Georgia. We have a lot of movies that film here in Atlanta now because of the tax incentives that our legislature passed a few years ago. So I do a lot of celebrity sightings, filming updates. A lot of that is, you know, what roads are closed. That segues into, you know, when they come through town on, on press junkets to, to promote whatever movie they filmed here, you know, I do that. And then just kind of like everything else. I do a lot of breaking news. In addition to my regular gig, I, I kind of do a little of everything. So like so far this year, I've covered the inauguration and Women's March and then the Super Bowl, did a little bit of coverage at the Masters. I was at the Atlanta Braves and the Atlanta Falcons for their new, their home openers at their new stadiums. I was in Texas on this story about the NSA alleged leaking. I was in Las Vegas after the mass shooting spree broke out. I was on the coast of Georgia after Hurricane Irma. So I really kind of do a little of everything. So it's you know, ever more incumbent upon me to have a strong, you know, online presence in addition to the blog, you know, a strong um, social media presence to drive traffic to the blog. What's your approach then for social media? Well, social media for me is, again, you know, sort of multi, um, multifaceted. And I think sometimes people get a little bit, I mean, I will say like planet Twitter and planet Facebook are two different planets and people really need to, you know, have a really discreet strategy for different platforms. You know, I use Twitter, Facebook, I'm on Snapchat, I do Instagram, you know, each platform is kind of unique as a reporting tool, as a dissemination device, as an engagement tool. Obviously, my end goal is going to be to drive folks back to my website, but also you, it's a really great way to to crowdsource and to, to report. It's a great way to surface voices that might not normally find themselves highlighted in mainstream media coverage. It's a great way to be as inclusive as you possibly can, as accurate in reporting on, on communities. So it's it's a great way to not only report your story, but then get the word out after. So you're engaged with your audience. Who do you see as your audience for your work? Anybody with an interest in anything that I'm working on, and which is to say anybody who's, you know, consuming any kind of content. And that sounds like a flip answer, but, you know, I'm on SoundCloud, so I've got people who, you know, listen to audio clips that I've posted. Obviously, like I said, I'm on, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so I'm, you know, I'm interfacing with folks there who, you know, have different desires when they when they consume content. Sometimes people just want to see pretty pictures of celebrities who are in town. Sometimes people are like, all right, is this movie filming going to jack up my commute and this is going to mess up my carpool? So it's, it's like I said, it's really incumbent upon me to use, you know, every digital tool I've got at my disposal to make sure I'm firing on a lot of different cylinders and not just posting on one platform in one way. Yeah, well, that sounds like it would be something, you know, for a lot of people who are coming into to journalism they might might find it a little bit daunting that you know they get in the car or they you know they're on the bus or the, whatever they do to go into work and they have to think okay am i going to shoot video today am i going to record audio am i going to just be on the web all day you know how do you tackle this you know in the morning when you start your day you know what is it what is it you're looking to do and and how do you sort of plan things out 
Well, I do hear the you know the frustration that you've surfaced about you know people thinking, well, gosh, that's just that's just a lot. But I don't really think about it. Okay, now is the time I'm going to do social media. Now is the time I'm going to do you know. I'm going to write a column. Everything is just, I mean, it sort of fits together like a puzzle piece, if you ask me. And I sort of feel like if you have a really strong digital game, it makes your job easier over time because you've got a larger audience to crowdsource if you're, you know, covering a breaking news story. You've got, you know, voices at your disposal who you've, you know, you've kind of cultivated over time to help in your reporting. And so just a little bit of time and effort, you know, constantly ultimately over time makes your job easier, makes your voice more authentic when you're reporting in a community and, you know, helps people feel more engaged with you just over time. Is there any particular type of project you like to work on? You know, medium, video, audio, or is it all just sort of all in the mix? You know, what I do a lot of is sort of layering apps. Like I might use, you know, a video editing app and then, you know, shoot it out via, you know, different kinds of social media presentation apps. I really like this app called Ripple, R-I-P-O. It makes a nice little nifty um, social presentation to put out. On, it looks really pretty on Twitter and, and Instagram, especially. And so, I mean, that's a way to, to resurface content that maybe, you know, you've written three months ago, and you, but you just really liked it. And so a lot of times what I'm, you know, sitting around waiting on source to call back or, you know, waiting for an event to start, I will repurpose some, you know, content that I've had in the past by maybe doing a slideshow or maybe, um, like I said, doing a, doing a social media presentation. So like I said, it's, it's just a kind of a way to kind of give you more options in the future. And I really feel like having a, a lot of these tools at your disposal makes your work work harder for you. So, I mean, the worst feeling in the world is like you, you killed yourself on some, you know, you know, huge project or narrative piece or profile or whatever. And then so it runs in the paper, it runs online and then like goodbye forever. Right. But I feel like if you've, if you've taken a little bit of time to do some, you know, shoot some video, maybe do lots of um, photos, took some audio clips. I mean, that, that thing has life beyond the day that it ran. I mean, maybe you can, you know, resurface it if it's a holiday story, for example. Maybe you can um, bring it out um, the next Christmas or, or um, Thanksgiving or whatever. And so having having just a lot of different tools at your disposal makes, you know, gives you more options in the future. And that's something I see all the time, like, you know, because I, I pay attention a lot to the data analytics and, and see what stories are performing well. We have a federal pay story from August that keeps resurfacing, that people keep reading that, they keep finding it on Google. And then then uh, right now we're kind of in the middle of this thing in, in D.C. is like, oh, is, is there going to be a government shutdown? And so people are finding our older stories and they're sort of resurfacing. So the, those are around particular stories, but they're, you know, your content just doesn't disappear. It's out there. And, and sometimes there, there are things in there that are still fresh and people are going to be interested. And especially if you put, like, if it's a special project and you're able to figure out a new way to help it resurface and to sort of re bring it to a new audience. I mean, that's oh for sure. That that's something that's fun to do when you can yeah. do it. With, I mean, with that idea, I mean, it'd be, it might be fun to go back and, and find photos of whatever happened the last time the government shut down, like you know, when public parks, you know, might have been closed or or uh, museums maybe you know couldn't open, and everybody's got photo archives. Maybe you pull together, you know the 10 biggest inconveniences last time there was a government shutdown, you know, put that together with a narrated slideshow maybe and, and you're off to the races. Yeah. I love the way your brain works. That's <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of that stuff we were thinking about this morning because it was like, Hey, people are reading this story from April about, you know, you know, if there's going to be, if there would be a government shutdown, maybe we ought to resurface that story, you know, put a new lead on it you know, and do a little new reporting around it to sort of make it breathe again. But, you know, you mentioned ripple, and that's, I've heard of that. I haven't paid attention to that. How do you find all these new apps and tools for you to use? 
Well, I mean, I have to give LNA another another plug because you know I've certainly picked up on just a number of different apps going to the sessions at ONA. I also um, had a great time at the, the Society of Features Journalism this year. SPJ is, is a great organization as well, but SFJ Society for Features Journalism had a great convention this year in in, uh, in Kansas City, and they had a super session with um, with Google Trends and uh, Google DataViz. And so, I mean, that was a you know a nifty session where I learned a lot of different things that I was able to immediately put into practice. And so, really, it's sort of like you know, like if you were into cooking, how would you find new recipes? Well, you would, you know, you would bake one thing and then maybe, you know, get turned on to something else. So it's just, you know, it's sort of like once you kind of open your mind to thinking like, what are the best tools that I can use? What are the best gadgets I need to have? And and what are the best just ways of thinking of um, doing multi-platform journalism? It sort of just naturally leads you down a path. You know, when you find one, one app that works, you know, it often will, will turn you on to another. And, or, I mean, honestly, a lot of times the way I find stuff is I think, Gosh, I mean, I wish there was an app to do blank and then, you know, just noodle around on the app store. Honestly, one of my very favorite apps is literally called Rotate and Flip. That's what it does. It rotates and flips because sometimes your video that you shot looking perfect turns out janky on your phone and you need to make sure that you don't have a horizontal video where your people are all, you know, on their side. So the app just literally rotates and flips your photo, your video so it's correctly um, showing up. Skitch is another one that I really love. And what I love about Skitch is it's what I call a unitasker app. It does one thing marvelously. It lets you write arrows on things, which sounds like a really silly thing to do. But um, say you're doing a traffic story and you literally just need to put photos and uh, and text together to show people, okay, this road shut down. I mean, you know, there, there's a you know roadblock here, or whatever. It's a really um, lovely, um, very efficient way of making the most of your of your user's time. This type of thinking is that pretty typical for what the Journal Constitution does, or, or do you think you're an outlier in the office? Uh, leave it to others to assess whether I'm an outlier in the office, but I will say that we, you know, there's definitely a great interest in seizing digital opportunities and best practices. We do a lot of training here, and uh, we recently had an ONA local session where we, we brought folks together to, to share what we learned at the ONA convention when we um, met with some of our counterparts at other media organizations here in Atlanta. So, I mean, right now, I just feel like it's really interesting, exciting time to be a journalist. There's no end of um, challenges for one thing on the one hand, but on the other hand, there's no end to the possibilities to meet your readers, viewers, listeners, users' needs. Yeah. Part of your job description is that you're a digital coach. How are you coaching people? Is it is it like what you just described or do you have something more formal that you do? I do um, run some training sessions here for my colleagues in a you know, structured way, but honestly, I will tell you, my favorite, you know, quote, training sessions last about two minutes, you know, somebody goes, how do you do blank? And a lot of times I'm the one asking the question, how do you change the typeface on this, you know, caption? How do I make this video? How do I make make the photos go slower or faster? How do I, you know, tweak this? And I really feel like, you know, any news organization, whether you're at a, a so-called legacy organization or, you know, digital startup, you know, I would say the best kind of culture is one where people feel free to say, how do I do X, you know, and there's just I always tell people there's no such thing as a dumb question. If, you know, if you didn't know how to do something and now you do, that was a great question to ask. So at any organization, I think it's a great it's a great time to really um, foster a culture of you know curiosity and, and constant learning. So as a digital coach, as a multi-platform journalist, what advice would you give to somebody who's either, you know, studying journalism or is just starting out in the field? I would say like don't get so overwhelmed. A lot of times when I do training classes and uh, I can tell people get a little bit maybe overwhelmed because I do kind of talk fast and I'm up there, you know. Really? With all my I hadn't noticed. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe you have some kind of editing um, software that can make me sound less like a hummingbird. But, you know, sometimes I'll kind of get all worked up and, you know, talking about, you know, this gadget and that app and this hack and whatnot, and people go get a little bit overwhelmed. I would say it's it's okay. If you want to learn one thing and do that well, do that and then learn something else. But never stop learning. And my bottom line is this is going to make your job easier. I mean, over time, it really will make your job easier. Um, and and make your job more meaningful to the, to the people you serve. I really, you know, I think about my readers, my viewers, listeners, whatever, as people who I serve. And like I said, the, the most precious currency anybody can spend with you is their time. And you just, you know, want to make the most of that covenant when people choose to come to you versus everything else in the world. So finally, I would say, like, don't get so hung up on, do I need to get this new equipment? Do I need to go buy this? Do I need to go download that? The biggest change that's going to happen is in your thinking as opposed to in your doing. And so just thinking about the way that you that you um, plat, you know um, perform and, and present your material is probably more vital than like the actual gadgetry you have to do it. And so it's, it's really a, the, the biggest change I would say is the thought process, not necessarily all the nifty tricks and, and um, gadgets that you have to do it. So everything you've said in the last 23 minutes, I, I say amen. Uh, because I agree with everything you said. This is an exciting time to be a journalist. There are lots of tools that, that, that are out there. Yes, we need to, to keep an open mind and we need to be constant learners. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. 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 Jennifer, thanks for coming on the podcast. Great to be with you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to make a, an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. If you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism, why not support us on our Patreon campaign? Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us to continue telling the story of good journalism. And while you're on our website, why not sign up for our weekly newsletter? You can get the latest news about It's All Journalism, exclusive content, reader surveys, and uh, news about upcoming live events. Just follow the link on our website to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. The Capital Culture Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Nania and Jason Fraley. We have a new podcast called Capital Culture. Each week we go in-depth with chefs like Marcus Samuelson and writers like Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport. We'll also talk plays with Kathleen Turner, movies with Emma Stone, and music with Smokey Robinson. Not to mention some of your favorite WTOP voices. The Capital Culture Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The What's Working in Washington podcast with your host, Jonathan Aberman. We share this region's innovative, entrepreneurial, and creative spirit. This podcast tells impressive stories of passion and spunk taking place here in the D.C. region. It illustrates how the nation's capital is anything but the stuffy, bureaucratic, politics-only reputation it tries to shed. The What's Working in Washington podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast D.C.